You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Great show for you today. We're going to talk about those two championship games from yesterday. We'll talk about a little bit about the upcoming Super Bowl matchup, talk about bets from this weekend, really kind of break down a couple of things that happened in both of those games that I thought were key points in the game. And we will talk about announcing teams as well because there's a drastic difference between the two of them. And the good thing is we're getting the better one for the Super Bowl. So we will get to that momentarily. So our Super Bowl matchup is set. We've got the Philadelphia Eagles going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. Right when the Chiefs game ended last night, that game opened up at a pick 'em. So there was no line on the game. It was just, hey, pick who you think you think is going to win with a total of around 48 and a half. And then all the money started coming in on Philadelphia. So the line jumped to, as of my recording this, late Sunday night, the Eagles are a two-and-a-half-point favorite with a total of about 49-and-a-half or 50, depending on where you shop. One thing to note, the last six games in the playoffs have all gone under. All four divisional games went under. Both games yesterday went under the posted total. Does that mean a seventh in a row is going to happen at the Super Bowl? We don't know. Maybe. These are uh, two good offenses, but also two good defenses. Yet again, um, it is on grass. Both Philly games have gone under. They've only given up seven points in each game that they've played. 50 does seem a little high, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm, I'm betting the total. I might not even bet the total, whether the over or the under. I might just stay away from it altogether. But two interesting games yesterday that we that we will go over. First off, obviously, um, congratulate myself. I gave you two bets on Friday. They were the Philadelphia money line, which, you know, you could have bet the spread. didn't matter. You were going to win the bet anyway. Um, and then I did say to have a little fun, little three-team tease with Philadelphia plus seven, three-team ten-point tease with Philadelphia plus seven and a half, the under 55 and a half to the Bengals plus 11. I mean, you could have bet. Kansas City on the on the third leg of that and still won. So a lot of uh, teasers in the 10-point realm hit over the weekend with those four games because the only one that really didn't hit, I believe, would have been the Philly over if you would have bet that. Because I think the total was 40, 47 and a half. Oh, maybe it would have gone over because you would have bet it down to 38 and you would have, or 37 and a half, and it would have hit that... Uh, at 38. Actually, that was a 44 and a half total. So yeah, that over the over would have hit in a teaser in the Philly game, the under would have hit. The only the only loss you would have had in a teaser this weekend is if you had San Francisco anywhere in a teaser. And that would be the only loss you hit. You take Cincinnati on a teaser, winner. Cincinnati uh Kansas City on a teaser, winner. Cincinnati total over uh, if you took the if you teased it up and took the under, you win. You teased it down and took the over, you win. So um, there was only one out of eight that would have lost this weekend, and that was if you had the Niners in a teaser anywhere. I did not, and we'll talk about that game first. So what I'll say about that is, unfortunately, bad things happen in sports sometimes, and it was just honestly bad luck for the Niners yesterday. It sucked. Because when you lose your quarterback eight minutes into the first quarter and you have to throw in Josh Johnson, who's been on an NFL record 14 different teams in the league 
and he has sucked for all of them, the game was over in the first quarter. I know San Francisco tied it at seven, but did you honestly think they had a chance in that game if Brock Purdy never came back? No, they didn't. And unfortunately, you can't predict injuries when predicting a game. When handicapping a game, you can't say, oh, but I think that quarterback's going to go out in the first quarter. You have no idea. It was a play where a blitzer came free, got him on the arm, and it was pretty bad. And if you read the quotes after the game, basically uh, they believed he injured his UCL, his owner, owner collateral ligament, and it might require surgery. It might require six weeks off. But Purdy said, my arm felt like it stretched out. I really just... I felt really just like a lot of shocks all over from my elbow down to my wrist, front and back, just pain all over. And he told the coach, look, I tried to throw the ball on the sidelines. I couldn't throw it more than five or ten yards. That's why when Josh Johnson went out of the game in the third quarter with a concussion, you had no options. You had to throw Purdy back in the game. And did you see what they did? They were down 21-7 with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. They put Purdy back in, and all he did was hand off. So you knew, like... You don't want to say they gave up, but their hands were tied. There's nothing they could have done. You could say, well, put Christian McCaffrey back there at quarterback. Do you honestly think he would have been a throwing threat? No, he wouldn't have. Philadelphia would have still stacked the box and made him throw the ball. So San Francisco really had nothing they could do. They were down two touchdowns, and eight of the first nine plays when Purdy came in were handoffs. It's like, wait a second, in any normal game that you're trying to win – you're down two touchdowns at the end of the fourth quarter. You're not handing the ball off every time. No, you're trying to push the ball down the field, trying to throw the ball. He couldn't throw the ball more than five or ten yards. So it sucked, and there's nothing else to it. That game was over halfway through the first quarter because of that injury. There was no way San Francisco was ever going to win that game. It was just a matter of how many was Philly going to win by, and it ended up being by a lot, 31-7. And, you know, this is a 14-7 game with – under two minutes to go before halftime. Not that San Francisco, I thought, had a chance to win because Josh Johnson would have had to make numerous plays in the second half for them to win, and it just wasn't going to happen. However, on an easy snap right back to him, he fumbles the ball inside his own 20. Philadelphia gets it and scores before halftime. That was all she wrote. 21-7 at half with Josh Johnson as your quarterback. It was just it wasn't going to happen. And I'm not saying, oh, if Brock Purdy plays the whole game, they would have won. You just could say, hey, it would have been more competitive. But unfortunately, there's nothing you can do. Sometimes injuries happen in big games. We've all seen it. You think the Golden State Warriors would have had a better chance to beat the Toronto Raptors in the NBA Finals if Clay Thompson didn't blow out his knee and Kevin Durant didn't blow out his Achilles? Yeah, probably. But you got to play with the hand that's dealt. And unfortunately... The San Francisco 49ers, their luck ran out. They were on their fourth quarterback this year. I mean, at, at some point, you knew something was going to hit. I didn't think it would be injury. I still thought if Brock Purdy played the whole game, my, my pick was Philly. I just thought it was going to come to an end. I clearly couldn't predict that. But unfortunately, there isn't much else to discuss in that game. If you want to even talk about anything in regards to strategy, it all happened in the first seven minutes. Devontae Smith caught that fourth down touchdown pass inside the five-yard line that ended up not being a catch when we saw it on replays, and Kyle Shanahan did not challenge it. If he challenges it, Philly doesn't score on their first possession because that was fourth down. San Francisco gets the ball, and it's 0-0. So that was a, a blunder on his part, 
And then on the play where Brock Purdy got hurt, Philadelphia did challenge it because that was a fumble. His arm was not going forward, but Philly didn't score on that possession. So it's not like it mattered, but just showing that Nick Sirianni had the balls and the wherewithal to be like, no, I'm challenging that play. That was a fumble, whereas nobody. And, you know, it's on Shanahan, but it's also on the whole team and the whole coaching staff. Nobody up in the booth for the San Francisco 49ers coaching staff could have taken a look at that real quick and been like, you got to challenge this, Kyle. It wasn't a catch. Nobody did it. So, yeah, it's ultimately on him. He's the head coach. But that's a failure by all the coaching staff that nobody told him you need to challenge this. It was close enough to where you had to. And if they would have, they would have seen that the ball hit the ground. And that was fourth down. They wouldn't have scored on their first drive. Who knows what happens? Because now maybe, I mean, I'm not saying that you don't know what happens after that. If Brock Purdy still gets hurt in the same situation, yeah. But um, that's really all you can point to. But the second Brock Purdy was out for the game or literally couldn't throw the ball more than five yards, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing else to talk about in that game. Philly wins. They're on to the Super Bowl for the second time in, what was it, five years when they won and beat the uh, Patriots? Was it five years ago they won that or six years ago? Um, so they're back in the Super Bowl. As for the second game, that was a great game. Um, after the first dud, you hoped that the second game would be close, and you just saw that these two teams were kind of going back and forth. Yes, Kansas City got out to a 13-3 lead. Cincinnati kicked a field goal before halftime, but you knew this game was going to be nip and tuck, and it was probably just sitting on a field goal either way. And yes, while the ending of the game really sucked and it was decided by referees because they called that late hit out of bounds and gave Kansas City 15 extra yards, I rewound that play and Patrick Mahomes stepped out at the 42. If he does not push him and get an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, first off, I don't even know why the line of scrimmage was at the 25. He stepped out at the 42. It should have been the 27, but, you know, what do I know? Um, I mean, at the line of scrimmage, the... um, where the uh, snapper caught the ball. But the bottom line is, if he doesn't commit the penalty, that is a the line of scrimmage is the 42, and that's a 59-yard field goal. And they only had, they had no timeouts left. I just, they wouldn't have tried it, and if they did, they probably aren't kicking a 59-yard field goal in that weather, and it's probably an overtime game. And, you know, Kansas City still could have won in overtime. We don't know. But unfortunately... The call was made, and while it sucks, it was the right call. Patrick Mahomes had two feet out of bounds when the Bengal linebacker pushed him. I mean, it's you just hate seeing it. The guy was playing his balls out. He was hustling. It was just, again, an unfortunate incident. And you suck. You saw the cameras on him on the sideline. You don't want to see a player in that situation have a game decided by that. But... When everybody's watching one game, yes, everyone's going to call that play the reason why they lost the game. Cincinnati Bengals lost the game earlier, numerous times earlier in the game. The fact that their first two drives were disasters and they gave up three sacks and two drives, they got off to such a slow start. Um, The fact that Patrick Mahomes, while being a pocket passer, still threw for over 300 yards against them. He was definitely gimpy. He definitely wasn't the Mahomes uh, that had the escapability in the past. Did move a couple times, uh, but was clearly limping all game. And I'm guessing he's still going to be limping come Super Bowl. But we've now seen 
how he can respond and play with a gimpy ankle. And he can play well. He's not going to be sprinting for first downs. The only time he did was really that last play of the game, which was crazy to think about. So literally the only time he ran like and had to put on the burners to at least you know get some yards. And yeah, he stepped out. His foot stepped out at the 42-yard line and then was pushed. And then you add 15 yards onto that. So the 27, and then it's 17 yards from there, and it's 40, yeah, 45-yard field goal, whatever. But, yeah, it would have been a 59-yarder. It it sucks. Um, but Cincinnati had chances. You know, I think one thing that's going untalked about for the Bengals was their use of the clock at the end of the first half. They threw a pass down to the five-yard line with Jamar Chase where, to me, I thought he got out of bounds to where the clock should have stopped. They're saying he stayed inbounds, and they lost a lot of time. So they had first and goal with, I believe they started that drive with first and goal in 10 or 12 seconds. They throw a pass short of the goal line out of bounds. Then they had eight seconds left on second and goal from the three. They throw an incomplete pass that took four seconds, third and goal, from the three, and they kick with four seconds left, and they kick a field goal. They go into halftime down 13 6, which is fine. They got points out of it. But the way they handled the clock at the end of that first half, they had three timeouts when they started, when they got past midfield. And by the time they were down in the goal line, they had none. They were taking timeouts after five yard completions. And I, I just think they mismanaged it to where all you got to do is give yourself more time. If they had one timeout left. They could have gotten one more play in. Doesn't mean I know they would have gotten a touchdown. Just give yourself a chance to get one. And I think that really hurt them because going into halftime, yeah, they were only down one score. But it also means when you scored your touchdown to open the second half, you would have been up 17-13 instead of tied 13-13. So um, you look at that time management there. I didn't think it was great at the end of the first half. And first and goal, they only got two plays before they kicked a field goal. If they had any time, any extra time, they would have gotten their three plays. So I think that hurt them. Also, the end of the game. You know, they they were backed up to their own five, but they got out to their own 40. And then they went first down, second down, and third down, they got sacked. And they gave the ball back to Kansas City, who returned it to their own 40, 45. So they only needed 20 or 30 yards for a field goal. Whereas, hey, if you're the Bengals and you're Joe Burrow and you're Joe Cool and you are the up-and-coming quarterback, when you have the whole Super Bowl riding on this drive and all you got to do is get your team in field goal range and you're at the 40, your own 40, first and 10, and then you don't pick up a first down and you have to punt it away, another reason why you can't just blame it on the guy who pushed Mahomes out of bounds and got the 15-yard penalty. The Bengals had it in their hands. They had the ball in their own possession around their own 40-yard line, first and 10 after that completion to Hayden Hurst, and they went three and out from there. And they had to punt the ball back. Granted, there was little time left, but look at what that returner did. He caught it at the 10 and returned it to the 40 or 45. That was absolutely huge. So, yes, while the penalty sucked and a lot of people in Cincinnati are probably pissed at him for doing that, they had plenty of other times during the game where they could have capitalized and scored more points to where you didn't need that. Speaking of scoring points, I just want to point this out. This is not nothing negative about Joe Burrow because he's literally 
one of the best young quarterbacks in the league, and I'll always stand by that guy, and anybody would be idiots to not want to have him on their team. But I will say this. He had four playoff games last year. He had three playoff games this year. The Bengals haven't even reached 28 points in all seven of Joe Burrow's playoff games. So while he's great, and what he did last year was phenomenal, and going into Buffalo and dominating them like the way they did, it's not like he's putting up 30 and 40-point games and this offense is unstoppable in the playoffs. It hasn't been. He's never even gotten to 28 points in seven playoff games the last two years. So just keep that in mind. And it's no shade to Joe Burrow. He is awesome. That guy is – he's got it all for a quarterback, and barring some major injury, that guy is going to be a Hall of Famer if he keeps it up and keeps playing this way. I mean, look at what he's done in two – in you know three years in the NFL. It's been – pretty crazy so but it is fact it's not an opinion he hasn't even gotten to 28 points in seven playoff games the last two years so just keep that in mind as for the thing that's the overrated storyline of this game is the burrowhead stuff first off the burrowhead was meant it was said by a cincinnati Bengal player on the sideline not even being picked up by the CBS feed. It was uh, it was picked up by it was picked up by I think one of these other feeds, and it's not like everybody on the Cincinnati Bengals was yelling it all week. Yes, a guy said it at the end of the game last week. Said we're going to Burrowhead. Okay, but. That's not the reason they lost the game because they had bulletin board material for the Chiefs. That's not that's not why you lose. Let's stop this. And I know Travis Kelsey, you know, went aggro on the stand last night and screamed and told the Cincinnati mayor, uh, you know, called him a jabroni and said, no, you'll roll and shut your mouth. Okay. You know, if Kansas City would have went out and won this game by three touchdowns and absolutely torched Joe Burrow and he was horrible – Maybe you can throw the whole Burrowhead thing back in his face. But the Burrowhead thing is stupid for two reasons. Number one, Joe Burrow's only 1-0 in Arrowhead. I don't even know why the guy for the Bengals said it last week. He's 1-0 in, Bur- in, in Arrowhead, and that was last year's AFC title game. So they played one game there. The two other times, like I said, they beat him three times in a row. The other two times were in Cincinnati. So this Burrowhead thing where it's like, oh, he dominates and can't. No, he doesn't. He's 1-0. Now he's 1-1. And number two... Like I said, with two minutes left in this game and Cincinnati having the ball on their own 40-yard line, this is, you know, this game is, it's a game of inches. One bounce here, one bounce there. Cincinnati wins that game, and and Travis Kelsey, it's very easy after the fact for Travis Kelsey to get up on the stage and scream at the Cincinnati mayor and call him a jabroni or whatever, but come on. You could have bet that game with two minutes left in the fourth quarter Knowing Cincinnati had the ball, there were odds there, and Cincinnati was favored to win that game. So don't tell me that there was just, it was so obvious that Kansas City took that to heart, and oh my God, this whole Burrowhead thing is really pissing us off, and we're going to come out and dominate them because they called this Burrowhead, please. Yeah, it's fun to talk about, but it's, it's revisionist history to come back and scream it into a microphone after the game. And it's not like Joe Burrow ever called it Burrowhead. So one guy who was just making a joke, come on. These are grown men. These are grown athletes making millions of dollars. They don't need that type of 
thing to get motivated before this game. Because if it was the motivating factor, wouldn't they have won the game 45 nothing? Like this is a the ball bounces either way. If the if the defender doesn't push him out of bounds, you're kicking a 48, you know, 59-yard field goal at the end of the game to to possibly win it or if he misses go to overtime. It's just like, okay. <laughs> we don't need to get carried away with the whole Burrowhead stuff. It was just a line. Somebody said it. Kind of funny. It's not like the whole Bengals team was chanting it the whole week. You know? It's the media that ran with it. One guy said it on the Bengals, and the media ran with it. And then it's just like, no, Patrick Mahomes gets no respect. I mean, I worried. I I was worried going into the game for the Bengals for the sole reason that all of America was on the Bengals. Like, it was becoming this... If you saw a lot of the the picks online by ESPN people and analysts out there, everyone was picking the Bengals. And that's never a good sign when the public is on one team, especially when the public is on a team um, that is a, that is a road dog. So, yeah, uh, that, that didn't bode well for the public to be all over. Uh, the public was all over the Eagles and the Bengals yesterday. So when the Eagles won, I was like, oh, boy. Either Vegas is going to take a thrashing this weekend because the public is on the Eagles and the Bengals, or they're going to be Vegas and end up, you know, being all right in the end when the team that the public wasn't on, the Chiefs, ends up winning. And that's what happened. So, congratulations to the Chiefs. I think it's going to be a great, great Super Bowl. Like I said, these games are so hard to pick. Right now, Philadelphia is a two and a half point favorite. It's probably going to hover around there for the next two weeks. Maybe it'll drop to two or or one and a half, and, you know, you've got a bunch of storylines, the two Kelsey brothers playing against each other, and Jalen Hurts getting to a Super Bowl is, is, you know, second year as a starter versus Patrick Mahomes, who's now been there three times in his five years as a starter. He's one and one in the Super Bowl so far. I mean, it's, look, you know, I'm going to cheer for the Eagles because, as you saw on my tweet, I've mentioned it a couple times on this podcast, I have a Super Bowl bet that I put in on July 30th for the Eagles to win the Super Bowl at 23.5 to 1, and $500 returns me 11725 bucks or whatever it is. So, yeah, I'm going to cheer for the Eagles. I hope they win. Uh, doesn't mean I hate the Kansas City Chiefs, um, but I'm not going to hedge this. I'll either lose 500 or win 11-7, you know. It's, it is what it is. It's why they call it gambling. Um, you know, I, I can put money on the Chiefs. Uh, you know, to cover myself and guarantee I don't lose at all. But I, I, I don't feel that's necessary with a line so close and knowing that the Eagles, um, I expect this to be a close game. I mean, I have this just looking at it right now. Um, obviously, blowouts can happen in the Super Bowl, but it, this looks like literally a field goal game again. I mean, these two teams are so evenly matched. The Eagles are 16-1 and when Jalen Hurts starts this year. I mean, that's a... <laughs> It's a pretty big stat, and I understand that they're going up against a quarterback that they haven't seen. We don't know if he's going to be 100%. He probably isn't going to be 100%, but we know what he can do even at not at 100%. He threw for over 300 yards yesterday. So I think it's going to be a great game. Um, Flip a coin at this point, and I have money on the Eagles since the beginning of the season, so I'll just ride it out and see what happens and hope they win. But right now I am (laughs) – they're, these teams are are the two best teams in the league. They were both the number one seeds. You know, this was this was the two number one seeds. So if you were just going by statistics, yes, this is the Super Bowl matchup that we should have gotten, considering these were the two teams in each conference with the best record. So 
Uh, I can't wait to talk about this more for the next couple of weeks. I'm sure I'm going to find some stats here and there to throw out at you and all these prop bets that are going to be coming down. So I'm looking forward to it. But I hope you enjoyed Championship Sunday. First game was a dud. Second game, very exciting, and I'm glad we uh, at least got a good one. So thank you all for tuning in. Really appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow yet again with another Sports Daily. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television.